There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Welcome to Love You Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Vison Family Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you as we're going to be joined in segment number two by Andrew Cayley. He does absolutely amazing work at covers, taking a look and covering so much as he does a great job in terms of football, basketball, golf, list goes on and on, and obviously baseball. We've got a big series that's going to be going on in Toronto as the undefeated Tampa Bay Rays are going to be going there, and Jose Barrios is going to be on the mound for Toronto on Friday. We're going to be asking about his thoughts on that game, what we've all been seeing out of the Tampa Bay Rays, what he's been making out of these totals the first few weeks of the season as we have been seeing a whole bunch of overs heading to begin the campaign and so much more. So we're going to have our good friend Andrew joining me in segment number two in the final segment. Going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNN underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters EM. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast by that five-star review. I know that I did have someone asking me where they would start if they would be looking to just create their own model, create their own numbers. This is from Kenneth, the sports lawman. The biggest recommendation I can give to you because this is something where it's very complex. Like, I am someone that I handicap every single game individually on its own merit, having every game be its own living, breathing entity. With this, every single game is going to be a little bit of a different handicap. There is no one-size-fits-all. I share with you guys exactly. I've handicapped the game on the podcast, which is why I do have those podcast breakdowns for every game. I time mark all of them, so you're able to hear exactly where I'm coming from in terms of those, but I do think what is big for you is trying to determine, okay, do I want to individually handicap all these games, which I do. It takes a lot more time than an algorithm, but I do feel like I'm able to pick up on 
things that an algorithm might not, some of those little things, taking a look at perhaps some extended bullpen use, a little bit more of a motivational spot, what have you. But if you do utilize an algorithm, just try to find what you feel like are very significant stats and things are able to get you to the window. Like taking a look at bullpen ERA, how much to factor that in with regards to a full game. Just length of pitcher, I think that that's very important because that goes right with like bullpen ERA, what have you, righty, lefty splits. It's something that you do want to be taking into account as well. So just find what is really working for you and put that into an algorithm. Now, there are many, many different people on Twitter that do a good job with algorithms. Like I said, that's not really something that I have a lot of expertise with. I know that he was mentioning the fact that he read a book written by Josh Applebaum on getting started with being able to handicap gauge sports betting, and that is a very good resource as well. I can't encourage him enough. I know that sometimes he takes a little bit of vitriol from people out there on social media, but Josh, he does very good work. I know that he might not be the cup of tea of everyone, but I know that he's an absolutely tremendous person, and having met him in person, one of the nicest people you will ever meet, but I do think that he offers some very good nice starter tips, places to jump off of there. So I think that that's a big key. Identify, do you want to go with a little bit more of an algorithm approach and then try to find those stats that are meaningful to you? Or do you want to go about things individually each game? And if you do, well, the podcast breakdowns that I provide, hopefully that could be a nice jumping off guide for you. So hopefully that was helpful. And if you've got further questions, do fire those in. At GUnit underscore 81 on Twitter. Happy to answer whatever questions you guys have. But let's take a look back at everything that we got in Major League Baseball on Thursday. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. We've got one game of cleanup from Wednesday as well with the LA Dodgers taking down the San Francisco Giants by kind of 10 to 5. And I tweeted this out. The LA Dodgers have now won 118 regular season games since the start of the 2022 season. They have covered the run line in 102 of them. It is absolutely insane. They've had just 16 one-run wins in this time span. 102 by two-plus runs as for the LA Dodgers. You had Max Muncie supply a pair of home runs, his fourth and fifth of the season. Then you had Trace Thompson get his fourth home run in the campaign. As for the Giants, Alex Cobb, he didn't get lit up, but he wasn't long for this game. He gives up eight hits, two runs in total, and three and two-thirds innings. So then the bullpen comes in. Scott Alexander gives up a solo home run in one and a third innings. You had one of the Rogers brothers and Mr. Taylor Rogers give up four runs and he didn't get a single out. John Brebbia gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning and then Ross Tripling in super long relief gives up two runs in three and a third innings. Meanwhile, for the Dodgers, Clayton Kershaw, he was able to muscle his way through six, giving up three runs, two of which were earned. From there, Yancey Almonte gives up a run in an inning. Evan Phillips gives a scoreless inning before Phil Bickford does allow some run in the ninth inning as Thierio Estrada was able to get a home run off of him. On Thursday, the Tampa Bay Rays, they continue to do what they do. They're now 13-0, having it more home runs this year with 32 than earned runs allowed by their pitching staff in 29. 9-3, they take down the Boston Red Sox. Corey Kluber, four runs surrendered in four and two-thirds innings, and then Richard Blyer really lit this game on fire. Four runs surrendered in a third of an inning before Cutter Crawford. Starter has to come in. He held down the fort, giving up one run in three innings as Rob Snyder, he was really the lone bright spot for the Boston Red Sox, got a 
home run in the first inning. We give the Red Sox a very brief one to nothing lead for home run season. That comes off of Jeffrey Springs as Springs, the only last three innings in this game, giving up that solo home run, lifted very early from there. Garrett Clevenger gives up a run in a third of an inning, but you were able to get three scoreless innings out of this one in Braden show and then you had two and two-thirds innings from Kevin Kelly. He gave up one run along the way as for the Rays pair of home runs. Brandon Lau, fifth home run of the season. Yandy Diaz, his fourth of the campaign. The Cincinnati Reds, they were on to Cincinnati and they were on to a 6-2 win as Nick Lodolo just continues to shove for the Reds, giving up two runs over the course of five innings. Did give up eight hits, so there are a lot of men in scoring position in this one for the Phillies, and they went one of nine in those situations. You did have Kyle Schwarber get his fourth home run season off of Lodolo, but the bullpen was able to do their part. You had Alex Young provide two scoreless innings. Derek Law, one and two-thirds innings scoreless before Alexis Diaz gets a final out of the game for a save, and no home runs for the Reds, but they go four of eight with men in scoring position, getting to Bailey Falter, who lived up to that last game. Five runs surrendered in four two-thirds innings. He sure did falter as you had Andrew Vasquez from there provide two squirrel settings. Matt Moore gives up a run in an inning before Andrew Bellotti gets it out of the bullpen. The Baltimore Orioles, they were able to take it to the Oakland A's 8-7 the final as Adelie Rushman gets a walk-off home run to lead the Orioles to victory as, I mean, this is a game where things just got completely tattooed. The over was reached in the third inning as for the Oakland A's. Pair of home runs out of Brent Rooker in this game. He goes deep off of Cole Irvin for his second home run of the year, and then Austin Voth for his third. As Voth, he gives up that home run over the course of two innings. Cole Irvin, the former Oakland A, he just got crushed, giving up six runs in four innings, including one of those home runs. From there, you had Felix Batista, Danny Columbi, Brian Baker, all supply a scoreless setting in for the Baltimore Orioles. They got a pair of home runs of their own. Rushman with that walk-off home run. That came off of Trevor May's fourth home run season. Then Adam Aller, the starter, gives one up to Ryan Mountcastle. Sixth home run season for Aller. He was hollering for someone to get him out of the game. He got seven outs, and then he gave up seven runs, all of which were bullpen from there was actually good. Adrian Martinez, three and two-thirds inning scoreless. Danny Jimenez, Zach Jackson, both provide a scoreless inning. And then Mr. May, it was May Day for him giving up that solo home run in the ninth inning. That ended it. You had the Minnesota Twins completely take it to the New York Yankees. Doing this as the bottom of the ninth is being had 11-1 is the score here as this game was never in question. The Minnesota Twins put up nine runs in the top of the first. So if you took an overnight eight to eight and a half over, you had the over in the bottom of the first inning. Yes, there was a pair of home runs in this one for Michael A. Taylor. Second and third home runs of the season. Carlos Correa, he gets his first home run of the season. And then home run number one of the season for Eduardo Julian. As for the New York Yankees, Johnny Brito got the start. He gave up seven runs in two-thirds of an inning, including one of those home runs. Colton Brewer gives up the other three bombs, giving up four runs in three and a third innings. Credit to Ian Hamilton in long relief. Six strikeouts in three scoreless innings. Jimmy Cordero and then position player Isaiah Canaire-Falefa were able to give you a scoreless inning. Long form of brightness for the Yankees in this one. Anthony Rizzo, he got his second home run season off of Joe Ryan. Ryan was spectacular. Ten strikeouts, gives up one run in seven innings. That was that home run before Cole Sands is able to clean up the final two innings. Also from the American League East, the Blue Jays enter into their series with the Rays on a loss as they fall to the Detroit Tigers by a count of three to one. Chris Bassett has been a guy that hasn't necessarily looked like himself this season, and he didn't pitch horribly. 
In this one, he went north of 100 pitches once again. He hasn't necessarily looked terrific, but two runs surrendered in six innings probably deserved a little bit of a better fate as the Blue Jays went one of 12 with men in scoring position, so no off there. Adam Simber, Tim Meza, they combine for a scoreless setting. Anthony Bass gives up a run in an inning, and Trevor Richards, he goes a scoreless setting as well. But for the Detroit Tigers, Spencer Turnbull got his way out of danger, giving up six hits in five innings, but just one run from there. Jason Shreve, Jason Foley, Jose Cicerno, Alex Lang, all into scoreless inning. Not going to be able to give you too much in Brewers versus Padres, just getting going as I record this podcast. Two to one in the third, so hopefully the DK and Asian pick of under nine can come through there. We shall see, but this is a game that's currently in the ninth inning, and looks like the Pirates should be able to take this one as they're currently up four to zero on the St. Louis Cardinals. Says Connor Joe and Rodolfo Castro provide home runs in the eighth inning off of Genesis Cabrera. It's actually now five to nothing for them to be able to really put themselves in good footing as Vince Velasquez. Six scoreless innings. I think that I just saw a pig fly by as I said that. As That was a really good start. Dwayne Underwood Jr., Colin Holderman. They hold it down for a scoreless setting, And most of the Pirates give up five plus. And I think they're going to get this one done. As Jordan Montgomery, he's going to be a tough luck loser in this one. Six and a third innings, giving up two runs. Jordan Nix gives you an out of the bullpen. But Cabrera gives up those two solemn runs in his inning of work. And Chris Strain allows an unearned run in an inning as well. So we have seen some topsy-turviness in baseball thus far. But if you're looking at the trends of Major League Baseball, clearly has been a bit of a trend to the over, assuming that we get the under in the Pittsburgh Pirates versus St. Louis Cardinals game with that Brewers game pending. One or two overs to 80 unders thus far this season. That is a 56% clip to the over, but we have been seeing things be reversing course a little bit more. Over the last seven days, 49 overs to 41 unders. I believe that we've had in that time span three pushes as well, so more like about a 54.5% clip to the over in that time span. And we've also noticed a lot of teams not covering the run line. A big reason why I did share with you that statistic about the LA Dodgers a little bit earlier as favorites right now are 120 and 69 straight up. So they're hitting at a little bit over 63.5%, but we have already seen 28 favorites thus far this year not cover the run line, win by approximately one run. And road teams have been relatively solid as well, 92 and 97 straight up. So winning at about 48. 8.7%. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we all got on Thursday. Now, let's turn things over to Friday with our good friend Andrew Cayley over at Covers. We're going to be talking about this big Blue Jays versus Tampa Bay Rays series, what to expect in Game 1 of this series, some of the teams are hot and cold, what to make of uh, these early season totals, and the slate for Friday. Up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Everybody, back love you, Las Vegas, for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And it is great to be joined by our guest, is Andrew Cayley. He does amazing work over at Covers, as he's a senior betting analyst over there. And he does a great job taking a look at a little bit of everything. Golf, fantasy football, college football, NBA list goes on and on. This is a man that is out there in the great country of Canada, in the Toronto area. So does a great job looking at the Blue Jays, the Raptors, you name the Toronto team. He's got them covered, and he's always got us covered with great insights on this podcast. As you're able to follow him on Twitter, at Covers underscore Kaylee. Last name is spelled C-A-L-E-Y. And Andrew, always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Always glad to be here, Greg, and always excited to talk some baseball. It's nice that we're a couple of weeks into the season now and actually starting to get a feel for some of these teams and just really enjoying watching baseball every day and betting it of course oh of course we've got to be making some money just on this grind that is the major league baseball season and we are about two weeks through the season and i think no doubt the biggest storyline that we've seen not just the win streak of the tampa bay rays because i mean it's historic enough that we've seen a 13 game win streak last time we saw that it was a brewers in the mid 1980s but just the way that they've been doing it 
as they've got more home runs than runs surrendered. What have you made out of this? Because it has been a little bit of a weaker schedule. Now the rubber is going to be meeting the road against the Toronto Blue Jays, but I don't care who you're playing as long as you're playing major league competition. To have a 13-game start like this is very historic. It's a deal. It's 100% a big deal because, like you said, winning this amount of baseball games in a row is impressive no matter who you are playing. Yes, the competition has been weak, and it hasn't been that profitable. Like The the Diamondbacks have almost made as much money this season at an 8-5 and five record than the Rays have. If you're betting $100 on the Rays every day, I think you're up something like 640 bucks right now, which is great, but it's maybe not something you'd expect when you have a 13-game winning streak with no losses on the table. It just means they're basically $2 favorites every time they take the field. They're doing everything, everything great. They're hitting home runs without striking out hardly ever. Their pitching is once again outstanding, and it's a complete baseball team, it looks like right now. And that American League East is going to be a tough one. That's my big takeaway here. It's going to be so tough because... The Blue Jays and Yankees are also eight and four right now. The Orioles have been kind of a fun team at seven and six, and that offense has scored a ton already this year. Um, and, and the Red Sox, while they haven't been great, they'll 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 still put up a fight along the way. So that American League East is going to be really tough. But I what I've been noticing is the Rays have been winning by multiple runs. So hopefully you're not taking them on the money line every night. They they've covered the run line in twelve those 13 games i've been doing something by looking at their starting pitchers and getting them to record wins because you're getting that at better value i feel like kevin cash has been giving these starters a little bit of a longer leash one because they've been so great and two i just don't think he wants to mess with a good thing right now no why would you want to mess with a good thing and i take a look at the tampa bay Rays streak and they have a chance to be able to make history with a win that they would be able to pull off on friday if they're able to get it and it's going to be Jose Barrios, who's going to be trying to stand in the way of history. And I think that we're in agreement, Andrew. If you were trying to send out there a Blue Jays starter to try to deny history, if you knew what was coming in advance, Jose Barrios would probably not be the guy. They'd be sending out in this one. And the opener was relatively tame. By the time that this podcast comes out, I'm sure that this is going to get steamed to the moon. But Right now, I'm seeing the Rays anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 favorites. And I know you were mentioning that the run line has been very safe with the Tampa Bay Rays. I feel like this is a very, very reasonable money line. And if you're listening to this early, I would say if you don't want to run the risk of the Tampa Bay Rays needing to win by multiple runs, this is a very valuable time to be able to get in. You know, everybody who listens to us talk knows I'm a Blue Jays fan and I am telling you to run run to go bet that price on the Rays right now. I think this is severely undervaluing Tampa Bay in this spot, considering it's not just Jose Barrios, it's Drew Rasmussen going on the other side who has been outstanding so far this season. He hasn't given up an earned run on three hits in 13 innings pitched so far. He's basically been the exact opposite of what Jose Barrios is right now, who still has trouble locating his slurve or whatever it is, his breaking ball. Just He can't locate it, and he gets frustrated, and then he'll throw that fastball right over the middle, and it's getting hammered still. This is the same old story that it was last season with him. Until he proves that he can start locating that breaking ball a little bit better, teams are just going to just gonna sit on that fastball and just keep crushing it. And nobody is crushing the baseball better right now than the Tampa Bay Rays. Like, first in OPS, first in home runs, first in runs per game. It's really impressive right now. So I guess this line is giving respect to the fact that the Blue Jays are at home. They have a strong offense 
with a lot of their players in a groove right now. Matt Chapman, we can talk about him more in a second. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, even Kevin Kiermeyer is hitting the ball well right now. So the offensive plan so far, the Blue Jays has been working. It's the starting pitching that's really held them back. But like I said, it's all Tampa Bay in this game. I, lo- I love the Rays at that price. Yep, I am right there with you. And I can speak to the uh, Jays pitching as well as I actually got to see them in that series against the Angels in person. Chris Bassett did not look sharp, though. I actually liked what I saw from the bullpen in that game. But I do take a look at this Blue Jays team. And you mentioned a very interesting name in Matt Chapman because Chapman has had one of the best years of anyone in baseball. I think that he and Luis Arias have really been the two biggest surprises at the plate thus far. Granted, it's very early. Most of these teams played right around 12, 13 or so games. But I don't think we're going to be seeing either of these guys hitting north of 400 for the entirety of the year. But what have you made out of the fast start of Matt Chapman, of Luis Arias? And do you think that they could be able to keep this up? Because those are the two guys I've really looked to this year and I've been very surprised by to the positive. I've been shocked after what I saw from Chapman last year. I know I knew when he came over from the Oakland A's, hitting in this lineup, that he'd be able to produce some home runs, hitting at Rogers Center, maybe even more this season with those walls that they've just brought in now. At least it looks a little more like a ball field there now, too. But so locked in. He's also had the benefit. He hasn't faced too many great starters at this point. Hitting is hard. Like Getting out seven out of ten times is considered great. And he's hitting the ball Hard almost every at-bat right now, 489 batting average, a 1390 OPS, 11 extra base hits over that span. I've been hammering his total bases every day. It feels like sportsbooks haven't believed that this Matt Chapman is real because they keep setting the over on these total bases in like the plus 115, plus 120, even plus 130 range sometimes, depending on the matchup. And he just keeps cashing and cashing and cashing. And I'm just going to keep riding with him. It's one of my early season baseball mantras. If somebody's on a hot streak, you ride that until until the wheels fall off sort of thing. And I'll, I'll be doing that with Chapman. Even in this probably tough matchup with Rasmussen, I'll probably still be looking at his total bases. And Rias, I think his even might be more sustainable than Chapman's because Chapman is a career, I don't know, like a two 250 kind of hitter. Rias has got some really good hands, and he should be able to uh, – I think he can maintain this for maybe not the 400 batting average, obviously, but uh, – he can keep it going a little longer with uh, his vision and, and his approach at the plate. But he hit above a 300 last year as well. I think that he'll be able to do that. And then some this year, I saw the multi-home run game he had in the World Baseball Classic. So I do think that he'll be able to hit for a little bit more power this season as well. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Andrew Cayley over at Covers. And we just talked about, I think, the team that both of us have as the biggest surprise as far this season with the Tampa Bay Rays. To not have the Tampa Bay Rays, I don't know. What you were expecting coming into the year, but it certainly probably was very demonstrative to have any team above the Tampa Bay Rays. But what have been some of the other players and or teams that you've been looking at? And you've been surprised either through the positive or the negative, because I do think that we're going to have a pair squaring off in the Midwest on Friday and the Pirates and the Cardinals. They're going in opposite ways. They began the series with the Pirates 7-5, and five, the Cardinals 5-7. and seven. We don't know how the game for Thursday went yet, but... I fully expect this Durkers course. I think that this is one of those surprise starts on both sides that just a little bit of an outlier. And I do think that things are going to be restored in terms of order relatively soon. And it could start this weekend. I think so too. It, it, it's one of those things. Sometimes you just go off to rough starts. The Cardinals pitching staff has not been, has not been great so far early in the season. They've been knocked around pretty hard. I expect better things from them as, as the season wears along. The offense has been great. Aaron Otto, Goldschmidt, Walker has been phenomenal coming coming up starting the season the way he has, starting his career the way that he has. It's a sneaky, deep lineup. And so if that pitching just 
picks up a little bit, I think that they will even up. Whereas I'll say the Pirates, I think, have been a little lucky to this point, and the pitching is still not there for them. And I think we'll see a regression to the mean soon with the Pirates as well. I kind of like what the Arizona Diamondbacks have done so far this year at 8-5. They've been a profitable team. While it might not be super sustainable, they have a minus two run differential at this point. I really like some of their starters, and I like what they did with the lineup. Lourdes Gurriel, former Blue Jay, he hit a home run the other night. Corbin Carroll has been hitting some home runs. The lineup has been pretty solid. I think they can take advantage of what has been a kind of a weird start in the National League West this year. Dodgers, obviously, their offense has been great, but we're still waiting on the pitching to catch up. The Padres continue to be a baffling team to me. I feel like they should always be better than they are. And I think we're kind of seeing another down year for the Rockies, but I think this will be another long year for the Giants as well. So the Diamondbacks have a chance to make up some ground on these top teams in the West. I do think so as well. And something that I'm noticing league-wide is Andrew Cayley, who does a great job at covers, is joining me on the podcast today. Scoring has been up this year. It has been very intriguing to take a look at games this season. How have you been sort of gauging totals thus far? Because I think that there's a lot of things that have contributed to this. We're all talking about the pitch clock, and I think that that's affected a few guys a little bit. I think that you'd probably agree in that one of your guys, Chris Bassett, he seems to have not taken too well to the pitch clock to this point, and that'll throw a few guys for a loop. But the shift has been a big deal. It's just been a little bit warmer in general in the Midwest, Northeast part of the country. And I'm not sure what you make out of this, but I feel like the ball is just juiced a bit more this year than it was last year. It feels like that too. I have to say, because like scoring is up, stolen bases are obviously up. Uh, we've seen a lot of stolen bases props uh, hitting this year, but odds makers were quick to adjust. We're not getting the prices like we were last year, obviously. It's the highest stolen base rate since 1999. So that just means more runners in scoring position. But the balls, that's the thing. While the scoring is up, balls in play, which is kind of what they wanted with eliminating the shift, it's about the same as it was, obviously, early sample size, about the same as it was last season. So we're not actually seeing more balls in play yet. I think we're just seeing a few more guys in scoring position, and those hits are driving those guys in. And to this point, overs have cashed about 56% of the time. So there will be an adjustment coming here soon. <laughs> we say this every year when something like this happens. The odds makers are always smart to adjust because it always ends up close to 50% when it's all said and done. I think we'll get a few more weeks maybe of these overs cashing before we can start looking towards the unders there once the calendar hits May, I would say. I do think that we are going to be seeing a bit of regression as well. And I do think that these totals, they are starting to get to a relatively good point because I'm just taking a look at the slate for Friday. As of right now, I am not seeing a total that is below eight. Now there's a game or two that's currently off the board, but certainly typically you don't see that in the month of April at this point. And when it comes to the games that we are going to be seeing on Friday, we have touched upon a few of them. I know that you're not necessarily overly high on the Giants, so. I don't know if the time to fade them is going to be against Joey Wentz and the Detroit Tigers on Friday. That's a little bit of a tough ass with the Tigers not being so great. But what are a few games that you are going to be taking a look at, whether it is to be betting on a team or a player or two, or if you just want to kick back, relax, and just try to take in a team a little bit more since it is so very early in the season. We're trying to figure out quite a few of these pitchers and teams. I'm liking the Angels. I think they're being undervalued, uh, kind of like the Rays are. Patrick Sandoval is a guy we talked preseason about. He had a strong performance in the WBC. He was one of these guys who got his season underway early with his pitching there. He pitched very well in the tournament, and he's carried that over into the regular season, just two earned runs, eight hits, and 11 in his pitch so far. He's not a big strikeout guy, but he's really been 
uh, creating a lot of soft contact with his location and his mix of pitches. Now he's going up against a Red Sox team that ranks 18th in OPS and 19th in K-rate when facing left-handed pitching. And then as long as the Angels' bats kind of do their part here against an okay, not great Tanner Houck, I think the Angels can get the job done on Friday night. I think there is value in them at, at in the minus 105 range. I do think that there is some value as well, but not as much value as talking to you, Andrew, because you do an amazing job gauging so many things over there at covers. You do an amazing job on the baseball front, but on top of that, I know that you do some golf, you do some football, the NBA playoffs is getting heated up, so you're going to be doing a great job on that front and so much more. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Well, we've got the NFL draft coming up, so you can see a lot of content from me coming there. You've got my bat flipping picks of the day, which I will, spoiler alert, once again will be Matt Chapman over his total bases again in that tough matchup, like I said. And you can find all of those things at, at on Twitter at covers underscore Kaylee, that's C-A-L-E-Y. Andrew does an incredible job taking a look at so many different things, and every single time he joins this podcast, lends tremendous insights, much like he did today. A big thanks to our good friend Andrew Kaylee of Covers for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa family of podcasts. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Hey, we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Always great to get Andrew Cayley aboard. He does amazing work over at Covers, being able to break down a little bit of everything. Does a nice job on the NBA and NFL front. I know that he's getting set for the action in college football as well. And every single time he joins this podcast, lends tremendous insights, much like he did. A big thanks to Andrew for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNRS41. We're going to be going in Las Vegas Station or This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games at any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So without further ado, let's dive in on this first National League game of 901-902 on the betting board. It is the Philadelphia Phillies at the road. They're going to be facing off against the Cincinnati Reds. In the words of Bill Belichick, we are on to Cincinnati as they're on to Connor Overton getting the start for them. And Taiwan Walker is going to be on the bump. For the Phils and the Phillies are finding themselves as favorites of any between minus 146 and minus 155 and between plus 135 and plus 140. Your number on Cincinnati with 9.5 being the total over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And I set the Phillies as a minus 143 favorite. So 
need at least a plus 143 to take a shot on Cincinnati. The opener was actually a plus 145, so on the opener, I was willing to dive in there. If you're looking at the run line in this spot, you're currently finding it anywhere between about a plus 105 to a plus 110 on the Phillies, so you're laying anywhere between minus 125 to minus 130 on the Reds' run line, and as it stands right now, at current numbers, I would look to take a run and half at a minus 125 or so with the Reds. I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 132. I don't know if I want the Reds to win outright here, but this Phillies offense is currently in the bottom three in the National League in terms of runs scored. Their bullpen has not looked good. They pick up Gregory Soto in the offseason. I think he's going to be able to find it. I still like Sir Anthony Dominguez in this bullpen as well, and then you've had Jose Alvarado look solid, but this is not a team I necessarily have a whole heck of a lot of faith in, and I just fear that there's going to be a regression coming in for Taiwan Walker after last year. He didn't necessarily get a lot of strikeouts, but he did an unreasonably good job of keeping the ball in the yard overall last season with the Mets. Gave up 15 home runs and 157 and a third innings on the road. He was giving up more around one home run per nine innings, but his swing and miss stuff is down. He really doesn't impress me a whole heck of a lot. He has been able to do a much better job in terms of command in recent years, a little bit over two walks per nine innings. And for Connor Overton, it's been a rough first two starts with him. Last time he faced off against the Phillies, gave up four runs and four innings. Team was still able to get the win, and he gave up five runs and four innings against the Cubs. Somehow, some way, they were able to get the win there. I don't think that he's going to be able to get away with something like that, but in his few starts last season with the Reds, posted up more like a 273 ERA. Not a guy that is necessarily going to completely blow you away with swing and miss stuff. His career strikeouts per nine rate hovering right around six, but he does a relatively solid job not giving out a whole bunch of walks. He's got four walks in his first eight innings this season. I think that that'll tame down. Big thing for the Reds is that, though, they are able to move the line. You don't necessarily have a lot of boppers in the lineup. Nobody returns from last year that had north of 12 home runs, but Jason Vossler, he's already got three home runs thus far this season. Jonathan India doing a good job moving the line. Entered India yesterday with a 420 on base. TJ Friedel entered India yesterday with a 395 on base. Jake Fraley, 462 on base. Heck, Spencer Steer, he's been able to get on base as well. Will Myers has provided nothing, but all in all, I do like this Reds lineup in the way that they just find a way on. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, they've got Reese Hoskins out for the season. Derek Hall's on the injured list. Bryce Harper is still banged up. Now, they do have guys that are able to get on base as well. Bryson Stott entered into yesterday, hitting a 420. That's not sustainable, but Trey Turner has been a very valuable pickup and a guy that's able to steal quite a few bases with the new rule changes. Alec Boehm hitting above a 300. I had three home runs entering into yesterday, but Kyle Schwarber, even though he had three home runs entering into yesterday, not doing a good job of being able to move the line. You've been having to start guys like H.J. Cave and company in for the Reds. I do recognize that this bullpen was in the bottom five of the big leagues last season in terms of VRA, but you do have a pair of guys in Fernando Cruz, coupled with Alexis Diaz that were able to supply a sub-2 ERA last season. Now, when you get down to something like a Buck Farmer, that's honestly too great. Ian Gabo, he certainly has had his issues, so you're able to go down the list, and I do think that as a result, you are going to be seeing some runs in this game, though I do think that with the Reds' lack of power, with it being a relatively okay day out in Cincinnati, but it's not going to be as good of hitting conditions as, say, June and July, that you are going to be getting a little bit of a lower scoring game. I set my total at 8.6, looking at the under with the Phillies being depleted with the lineup, but with the Reds, if I'm able to get north of plus 145, I'm going to be willing to dive in on the money line, but at current numbers, I'd be looking to take a run and half at about a minus 125 just for them to be able to keep it close in this ordeal to go along with this total under. 903-904 on the betting board. It is the Arizona Diamondbacks in the road faceoff against the Miami Marlins as Trevor Rogers goes for the fish and Madison Bumgarner is on the bump. 
for Arizona. Nine is the total. Unders between minus 110 and minus 115. The overs between minus 105 to minus 110. Miami is between a minus 138 to a minus 145 favorite. And we're team plus 125 and plus 130. It's your number on the Diamondbacks. With the Diamondbacks, I needed at least a plus 124 to dive in. And we have been able to get there. You've got two pitchers that I just, quite frankly... Don't trust. And Trevor Rogers since the beginning part of last year, has been awful. Last, we're going to call it about three, three and a half years. Madison Bumgarner has given you a big, giant nothing burger as well. So, certainly a case where I don't trust in either of these pitchers. I did set my toe at an 8.4. I'm going to be looking at the under end. That's not necessarily a boat of confidence for either of these pitchers. It's just saying that this is a ballpark that does not really surrender a whole lot of home runs. This is a top five pitcher's ballpark in all of baseball, but certainly I do think that it's going to be the bullpens that step up a little bit more than the starters. I do have a little bit more faith in this Arizona bullpen because they do have Kyle Nelson, who's back from last season. He had a sub-250 ERA. You pick up Andrew Chafin. You pick in Miguel Castro. That's going to be big because with Madison Baumgartner, it's not been great for him in recent seasons. Thus far this season, he's got a 7.27 ERA, and he's pretty much picking up right where he left off last season. By the way, it's only 33 years old. Feels like he's more like 43, but last season, 5.07 ERA. Last season was giving up about 1.4 home runs per nine innings. Overall, he had about three walks per nine innings, and the 1.4 home runs per nine innings that's on the road at home, it was more like 1.5, so hasn't been terrific either way, and Trevor Rogers has been unsightly bad at home recently. You go back to 2022, 494 home ERA, despite this being a pitcher's ballpark, giving up north of a home run and a half per nine innings. His walks per nine rate overall last season was right around 3.7. Still is able to get swings and misses. Nine punch outs per nine innings, but with the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Miami Marlins, you do have quite a few guys that move the line. Not really a lot of guys that are able to hit that deep balls. You've been able to get quite a bit going from Luis Arias as far this season. We were talking about this with Andrew Kaley, the fact that he hits for that cycle. Entered into yesterday hitting a 500. I mean, that's just absolutely amazing. Ode Soler does have four home runs. And keep in mind, he did have a 48 home run season a few years ago with the Kansas City Royals. But, I mean, with the Miami Marlins, I do think that you're going to be seeing this team struggle to hit it out. You do have Yuli Gurriel, Garrett Cooper hitting above the three iron. I do see a little bit of regression there. And then for the Arizona Diamondbacks, gotta love what you've been able to get recently out of Corbin Carroll. He's been able to give you three home runs. He's able to swipe a few bases, five in total thus far, hitting about a 255. That's a good start to the season. You have a feeling that guys like Jake McCarthy, Christian Walker, that both began the season hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. That's going to iron out as long as you also have Gerardo Perdomo, Josh Ross, and Nick Ahmed return to what they typically are as well. These three guys are hitting above a 4 iron. That's not going to last. Christian Walker and McCarthy hitting below a 200. That's not going to last either. So things should iron out on that front. I do think that Arizona could be a little bit more of a team that hangs their head on pitching. Though I do like the pickup of Lourdes Gurriel. He's been hitting a 250. Capable of sealing some bases, hasn't necessarily done a lot this season, but I do think that the Diamondbacks have a bit of a better bullpen. Uskar Brazobin has not been great in that Miami bullpen. I do like the pickup that they had of A.J. Puck, but guys like Andrew Nardini and company are guys I don't necessarily have a lot of faith in, and I do think that both of these starters can have a little bit of a washout. I don't think that Madison Bumgarner is going to continue to have a walks per nine rate of about 10 like he's got right now, but I do think that both of these guys knocked themselves out early. I do think that the Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen going to be able to pick up the slack. With this being a pitcher-friendly ballpark, I did set my total more around an 8.4 here at 9. Looking at the under and at plus 125 or greater. Taking the Diamondbacks on the money line. 9-5, 9-6 on the betting board. The Pittsburgh Pirates at the road face off against the St. Louis Cardinals as 
You've got the Woodford and Jake Woodford going for St. Louis. And Johan Oviedo is on the bump for Pittsburgh. Eight and a half is your total with the over minus 120. The under is even. Seeing a straight nine out there as well with the nine. Under is minus 120 and the over is even. Cardinals are between minus 156 and minus 165 favorites. And between plus 145 and plus 150. Seeing a straight plus 140 is your number on the Pirates. And with the Cardinals, I did make them a plus 108 on the run line. So being able to get them, as I'm seeing it pretty much across the board, at a plus 125, I'm going to reduce the juice. And I'm going to be taking a look at the Cardinals on the run line as I set them a minus 176 on the money line as well. So I'm seeing an edge on both with Yohan Oviedo. He's actually a former St. Louis Cardinals, so there's going to be a lot of familiarity with the Cardinals and how he pitches, and I do think that they're going to be able to come out and do a solid job against Yohan Oviedo. Now, I will say, ever since Oviedo got to the Pittsburgh Pirates, he's got a sub-3-5 ERA, has looked solid in his first two starts of the season, going six and two-thirds innings, scoreless against the Chicago Cubs most recently, and the last time he did face off against the St. Louis Cardinals, he gave up three runs, two of which were earned in four innings, and really his last start of the season during the 2022 campaign, and for Oviedo, big thing with him, what are we going to be able to get in terms of swing and miss stuff? He had just one strikeout in that start, and he's never been a high swing and miss guy. Now, you've got Woodford on the flip side with the St. Louis Cardinals. He has never been one of those guys to be able to go out there, light the world on fire himself. He's sort of been an off-and-on starter in recent years, and strikeouts per nine rate is right around about six for his career. Does a good job of not giving out a lot of walks, about 2.2, 2.3 walks per nine innings last season, and last season, mostly in a relief role, he was amazing at home at 0.86 ERA. Yeah, you could bet on a little bit of regression happening there. His opponents overall hit about a 250 off of him, and he faces off against the Pirates lineup that they've got one super-duper hop at in Brian Reynolds. He's currently hitting well above a three five home runs this season. He got a day of rest yesterday. I fully expect him to be back in the full in this one, but I do take a look at Connor Joe, and I think that he's going to be the guy that needs to make this thing a go. As he's hitting north of a 300, I liked him with the Colorado Rockies, and he's going to need to pick up the slack for guys like a G-Man Choi, Cabrian Hayes, Jason DeLay. You've got someone else in Mark Mathis that they just aren't necessarily moving the line for this team. And O'Neill Cruz is going to be out for quite a while. So it's not good for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Meanwhile, you've got a Cardinals team that they entered into yesterday 5-7, and seven, but wasn't due to the offense. As you've got Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt hitting north of a 300. These guys both had only one home run apiece, but Nolan Gorman has already hit four home runs. You've got that incredible streak for Jordan Walker. Hit in each of his first 12 games to begin his career. That's been amazing. Tommy Edmond has been able to do a good job of moving the line. And for the Cardinals, they just have the leg up in terms of the bullpen. you got David Benar, Chase Young, who do a solid job in the bullpen for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Sub-3-5 ERA last season. Guys like Tori Maretta, Rob Zanarski are guys that you can't trust in. You've had Ryan Elsley be a little bit hot and cold ever since the back half of last season, but it feels like he's returning back to form. Andre Pallanti has been in for a little bit of a rough season, but Packy Naughton as a long guy has actually looked halfway decent. I like Genesis Cabrera, Giovanni Gallegos, either of these guys have allowed a run this season. I think that they're under the radar relievers, and I do think that the Pittsburgh Friars, they're going to be cooling down in terms of their offense with Reynolds getting a day off yesterday. You do have to wonder if there might be a little bit of something larger that might be wrong with him. I do think that Oviedo going to do an okay job against his former team. 
team, but I do think that it's going to give up a lot, a lot more than Woodford, who has been very good at home, and I do think that this is a ballpark that suits Woodford really well. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Cardinals run line, getting a plus 165 in this ordeal, and I did set my total at 8.4, so seeing the 8.5 with heavier juice on the over, I'm going to be looking at the under and that Cardinals run line. 907-908 on the betting board. We've got a game that's off the board as the Milwaukee Brewers hit the road face off against the Slam Diego Padres. It is going to be Michael Waka who is going to be going for the Padres. And for the Brewers on the betting board, it's currently to be determined. Now, according to all the people that cover the Milwaukee Brewers, it is expected to be Freddy Peralta, but... At this point, the Brewers could do anything with the rotation. With Brandon Woodruff landing on the injured list, this team has no idea what the heck they're doing. I would expect nothing less from my home state of the great state of Wisconsin. But if we do get Freddy Peralta versus Michael Waka, I set the Padres at a minus 126 on the money line with a total of 7.7 to where a 7.5 or less, I'd be looking at the over and 8 or higher. I would be taking a look at the under, and if you do get Freddie Peralta, he has been terrific to begin the season. In his two starts, 12 innings, he's allowed one earned run. He's done a nice job being able to punch out 14. He looks like the Freddie Peralta of old. You could get Eric Lauer as well, and Eric Lauer at minimum would be a 25-cent downgrade, if not a little bit more. I'd be leaning more towards about a minus 150 or so. It might vary a few cents based on what we see in what is going to be a pseudo-bullpen game from the Milwaukee Brewers on Thursday, but that's where I'm leaning right now, and that would probably push my total to where an 8 or less. I'd be taking a look at the over, but for the San Diego Padres, this lineup just has not hit at home in comparison to on the road in recent seasons. Now, they do pick up Xander Bogarts. He entered into yesterday with four home runs, sitting north of a 300. He's been terrific. Nelson Cruz has been able to turn back time. He's been able to move the line as well, but Juan Soto has struggled again. He's hitting a 217 with three home runs to begin the season. You expect a little bit more out of him. Trent Grisham, the entire catcher spot, Rudnett Odor. These were all guys that were starting yesterday, and they just have not been able to get on base as well. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, I fully expect regression with these young guys, and they have not hit the same away from home as they have at home. Going into yesterday, they were averaging six runs per game at home and inning north of a 290 in Milwaukee on the road, hitting a sub-220 with more like 3.7 runs per contest. Now, Garrett Mitchell is the real deal. Hitting above a three he's got three home runs. Like what he's able to do, but someone like a Bryce Durang, I think is going to be someone that is doing for a little bit of regression, hitting nearly a 300. Mark Brasso is hitting nearly a 300 as well. Rowdy Tellez, he's able to give you power. He doesn't really move the line. You've got William Contreras hitting about a 360 for this team, so I do think that there's going to be some falls there, but for the Milwaukee Brewers, they entered into yesterday number one in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. That's after they traded away Josh Hader to the San Diego Padres, and that's about the only good Padres arm that's out there right now. As Luis Garcia has been a little bit of a mess thus far this season. You just have not been able to get a lot out of someone like a Domingo Tapia. Meanwhile, for the Milwaukee Brewers, you've just got a stacked bullpen in which guys are coming in, and they're doing their part. As Matt Bush, Hobie Milner, Peter Strzelski, and Bryce Wilson all entered into yesterday with a 0.0 ERA. I mean, really, the only guy that is happy to hold up his end of the bargain is Joel Pyops with a 4.15 ERA, and he's actually someone that has a good track record as well. You take a look at what you're going to be able to get out of the starter in this one, and Michael Walken, he was tremendous with the Boston Red Sox last season. I think that this is going to be a ballpark that suits him really well in San Diego, especially during the nighttime like this is going to be. The ball really doesn't fly a lot in the Milwaukee Brewers. They do rely upon the deep ball quite a bit for their offense, but 
for Waka thus far this season. He's been solid, giving up four earned runs in 12 innings in his first two starts of the season. I do think that he's doing for a little bit of progression from last season. Last season, he gave up about a home run and a half per nine innings. He got fewer than seven half strikeouts. Bernie Nangs did a good job in terms of walks, but he was very fortunate on balls in play, so I do take a look at that a little bit. So if you get Freddie Peralta versus Michael Waka, Padres are a minus-126 favorite with 7.5 or less being to the over and 8 or higher to the under. If you do get Eric Lauer 8 or higher, I'm going to be taking a look at the over, and then an 8.5 would be my buy point on the under with the Padres being closer to about a minus-150 or so. 909-910 on the betting board. It is the Chicago Cubs in the red faceoff against the LA Dodgers. As Noah Thor Syndergaard is going to be going for the Dodgers and you've got Justin Steele who's on the bump for the Cubs and the Cubs are an underdog between plus 150 and plus 155 between minus 168 and minus 175 your number on the Dodgers 8.5 is the total over and under are both at minus 110 for the Dodgers run line you're finding it at a plus 125 and I set the Dodgers minus 171 on the money line but I set them at a minus 103 on the run line hopefully you saw what I tweeted out about 24 or so hours ago as this Dodgers team has won all but 16 of their games the last two seasons on the run line. They have been absolutely incredible. I think that they're up to 118 wins in total in the regular season since the beginning of the 2022 season. 102 have been by two-plus runs. That is something that you want to take note of, so that's extra value on the Dodgers' run line. Now, for Noah Thor Syndergaard, it's been a mixed bag for him thus far this season. First start of the year against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Terrific. Gives up one run in six innings, and then gets destroyed, giving up six runs in four innings in the second go-around. But I do think that pitching in Dodger Stadium during the nighttime, that is going to be able to help him out. He goes up against someone in Justin Steele. The command, it's not necessarily there for him. Five blocks and 12 innings thus far this season, and that is what ailed him last season. Last season, he was giving up a little bit over four walks per nine innings, and he did have a 378 road area compared to a 278 home area, but he does a good job not giving up a lot of hard contact. 0.6 home runs per nine innings last season. Overall, opponents hit about a 245 off of him, so I do like his overall game, and he's able to get swings and misses right around nine and a half straight cuts per nine innings, and this is a Chicago Cubs lineup that is very intriguing, as they've got the former Dodger and Cody Bellinger, who I just don't think that he's ever going to be able to find that MVP four months again. He's hitting at 238 with a pair of bombs thus far this season, and it's not necessarily a bopping Cubs team. I do think that you're going to be able to see a little bit more power out of Dancy Swanson. He has yet to hit a home run this season, but he's hitting a 400. Nico Horner, he's been able to hit well above a three. Nick Madrigal, when he gets at bats, he's able to move a line. Eric Hosmer has been able to reach base as well. Ian Happ has been able to give you north of a four-iron base. Meanwhile, for the LA Dodgers, this team is able to go for the jugular at any point, and it feels like Max Muncy is back. He's got five home runs as far as the season. Batting average is not there, but a 353 on base. Freddie Freeman, his power numbers are down since coming to Los Angeles, but he's hitting north of a 300 once again this season. Mookie Betts, two home runs, hitting about a 270. You know that those numbers are going to be picking up. J.D. Martinez, power numbers aren't necessarily there. He's been able to do a good job of moving the line. Meanwhile, Will Smith, James Oatman, both of these guys are able to get on base. And for the LA Dodgers, they had the top open area in the National League last season with a lot of nameless, faceless guys like Alex Vesey, uh, Yancey Almonte, Caleb Ferguson, all shoving giving you a sub-3-3 ERA along with Evan Phillips. Meanwhile, for the Cubs, they do pick up Brad Boxberger, Michael Fulmer in the offseason to improve that bullpen, but Julian Merriweather, Michael Rucker, these guys are a disaster. Mike Flyter Jr. has actually been halfway decent in the bullpen, and I do think that for Noah Thor Syndergaard, season number two coming off of Tommy John surgery is going to look more like the Thor that we saw back when he was with the New York Mets, back when he was getting more like 10 strikeouts per nine innings. So I do think that he's going to do a nice job tying up these Cubs hitter 
in a nighttime game in Los Angeles. I did set my total at 8.3, so you're at an 8.5, looking at the under, and with the Dodgers, willing to take them on the run line, I think that they get another multiple run win. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. The Minnesota Twins hit the road face off against the New York Yankees. Nestor Cortez is going to be going for the Yankees, and Tyler Molly is on the bump for Minnesota. And Minnesota is an underdog between plus 145 and plus 150. Anywhere between minus 162 and minus 170 is your number on the Yankees. 8 is your total. The over is between minus 110 and minus 115. Unders between minus 105 and minus 110 on that Yankees run line. Find that anywhere between a plus 125 to a plus 135 in for the Yankees. Made them minus 151 on the money line, so I would need about a penny or two more on this Minnesota Twins money line to be able to take a shot, but I'm seeing a little bit of value on that Yankees run line. Needed at least a plus 130 to be able to dive in there. So my current numbers, I'm looking at the Yankees run line. Truth be told, I will be seeing how this plays out overnight because the Yankees got completely destroyed yesterday. Anyone that took the over in the game, you were able to get the over, I'm not even kidding, at the top of the first inning with the Minnesota Twins just completely lambasting our good friend in Johnny Brito. And for the New York Yankees, they had to get all but two outside the bullpen yesterday. But at the same time, they were able to utilize more of those less than trustworthy guys. So your likes of Wani Peralta, Ron Medanacchio and company, they are going to be available in this game for the New York Yankees. And Nancy Nestor has been Mr. Nancy Nestor when he has been in Yankee Stadium over the past year plus. As last year, he had a sub-2 ERA at Yankee Stadium on the road. That is an ERA that jumped to a little bit north of three. And Nestor Cortez does a really good job of keeping the ball in the yard in Yankee Stadium. A rarity as he gave up five home runs at 87 and two-thirds innings. A season ago, gets a little bit over nine strikeouts for nine innings. Flip side for Tyler Molly. He's been able to do a nice job when he has pitched in places that aren't named Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, you just go back to his big giant splits in 2021. He had a 563 home ERA and a 230 ERA on the road. Giving up 19 home runs at 78 in the third innings and five bombs at 101 and two-thirds innings. So the fact that he's pitching anywhere other than Cincinnati is a good thing for our good friend, Mr. Molly. And this is a Twins bullpen that is one of the best out there in the big leagues. That's Yohan Duran. He's able to throw 100 miles per hour. I like him in this bullpen. Ode Alcala, Giovanni Morin. These guys are able to give you some good innings. Kale Theobar is necessarily the world's most trustworthy and Emilio Pagan. I mean, he's just a human white flag, but that's a good bullpen. And for the Minnesota Twins, they didn't show it yesterday because yesterday they were just putting on a display. But this is a bunch that they're very good at being able to move the line. They're not necessarily the world's greatest power team as Byron Buxton had a bunch of home runs last season, but I feel like that was a little bit more out of necessity. He's more of a doubles, move the line sort of guy. He's been able to provide about a 350 on base thus far this season. Trevor Larnage is a guy that hits about a 275. You've had Christian Vasquez do a nice job to begin the season, and he was a part of just all the runs that we saw yesterday. But for the Minnesota Twins, this is a team that they're going to be hitting for a little bit more contact. Carlos Correa, after a little bit of a slow start to the season, he's starting to pick it up as well. And for the New York Yankees, this is more of a bopping team, but now they're hitting for average much more than last year as well with Anthony Rizzo along with John Carlos Sam, both of these guys hit below a 230 last season. Both of these guys hitting north of a 250 thus far this season. You've got Aaron Judge who's hitting a 300. He's already been able to supply four plus home runs. He's doing a nice job now. The bottom of the fold with the likes of Kyle Gashioka, Willie Calhoun, Anthony Volpe. These guys do need to pick it up a little bit, but Clayber Torres has looked very solid. I do think that the Yankees are going to be able to stabilize. Get north of a plus 150. That's just a point of no return, and I would need to take it with the Minnesota Twins, but at current numbers, I am going to be taking a look at that Yankees run line, assuming that it is a plus 128 or higher, and did somebody tell us 7.7. I do think that Molly going to be able to pitch well in this spot, and Nestor Cortez has been a magician in Yankee Stadium. So looking 
at this 800, then we're going to see a reversal of yesterday, and I'm going to be taking a look at this New York Yankees run line. 913-914 on the betting board. It is the Tampa Bay Rays heading the road face off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Jose Barrios is going to be going for the Jays, and Drew Rasmussen is on the bump for the Rays. The Rays are in between a minus 105 to a minus 115 favorite. Between minus 105 and plus 102 is your price on Toronto. 9 is your total. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 125. The under is anywhere between plus 105 and minus 110. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably want to take this sooner rather than later. There is one reason why this was not the DK Nation write-up pick, and it's because when I took a look at the early opening numbers, it was right around minus 110 on the race. I just think that by first pitch, this thing is probably going to be steamed up to my number of minus 150. I'm seeing a lot of value here with the Tampa Bay Rays. Like I said, I just didn't want to give out something that moves by like 50 cents. So that's the only reason why I held off on that, just in fairness, because I don't think you're going to get a lot of bets on the Blue Jays, and there shouldn't be a lot of bets on the Blue Jays, because Jose Barrios is terrible. He has given up 14 runs in nine and two-thirds innings thus far this season. Now for Barrios, he doesn't pitch as badly as at home as he does on the road. Last year, 424 home ERA. Not great, but you know what? I guess it's okay. 636 ERA on the road. Overall, last season gave up north of a home run in after nine innings. He doesn't necessarily walk a lot of guys either. He gave out about 2.3 walks per nine innings last season, but he's just been banged around like crazy as opponents are north of a 280 off of him last two seasons. Meanwhile, Drew Rasmussen has been a relatively steady Eddie guy for the Rays. Did struggle a little bit on the road last season. 349 road ERA compared to a 224 ERA at home, giving up a little bit north of 1.2 home runs per nine innings last season when he was away from home and in his three starts again the Blue Jays was able to do a solid job. He gave, had a 270 ERA, gave up nine runs, eight of which were earned in 26 and two-thirds innings, giving up just one home run. So I like what I've seen there. And for the uh, Rays, there's no way they're going to be able to maintain this set, but it's still awesome to say they have hit more home runs and they've given up total earned runs with their pitching rotation. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. They're up to, I believe now, 32 home runs for the season. I think that they've given up 29 earned runs. I mean, it's ridiculous. you got Brandon Lau, Wander Franco, Randy Arena, Isaac Paredes, Yandy Diaz, Harold Ramirez, along Luke Rayleigh, who all have at least three home runs right now. We're trying to look for a weak link in the lineup and there's not one. Manuel Margot is right now hitting a buck 94, so I guess he's your weak link, but everyone is hitting Everyone is pitching. It's absolutely amazing. Meanwhile, you've got a Toronto Blue Jays team in which, I mean, the bullpen has actually been relatively good for this team. I like Amy Garcia, Adam Simber. They're relatively solid. I recognize that there's a hiccup or two for Joe Romano in Los Angeles, but he's one of the better closers that you're able to find in the big leagues. But you've got Jose Barrios going up against the team that is hotter than lava right now. This is just one that you don't want to be overthinking too much. I did set my toll in a 9.2 with the Blue Jays. They have been able to supply some power. Now, Matt Chapman, he did miss yesterday's game due to a stomach virus. If he does play in this game, I think that it'll probably be a little bit more of like a pinch hitting role, something of that nature, but even if you don't have him available in this game, Flyer Grove Jr. is hitting north of a four, and you know that the home run power is going to be coming through there. Blue Jays, by the way, went one of ten with runners in scoring position first five innings against the Detroit Tigers yesterday, so they're probably doing for a little bit of positive progression here. You've got Dalton Varsho hitting nearly a 300. Kevin Kiermaier is going to be cooling off a little bit, but Bobochet, he's off to a nice start to the season, hitting above a 300, four-plus home runs out of him. So this is a circumstance where I do think that both of these teams put up some runs. That might total at 9.2, looking at the nine over, but with the Tampa Bay Rays, not going to overthink this one. I'm going to lay up to a minus 150 on their money line. Looking at the Rays money line, and I'm going to take a look at this total. Over 915-916 is going to be the DK Nation write-up pick. The Baltimore Orioles at the road face-off against the Chicago White Sox says Mike Clevenger is going to be going for the Sox at Tyler Wells. Hopes to pitch Wells for the Orioles. And the Orioles, they're between minus 110 to a minus 170 favorite. 
Anywhere between minus 105 to plus 107 is your number on the White Sox. Nine is the total. Over and under are both at minus 110. And my write-up, that is going to be on the Chicago White Sox. I set the White Sox at a minus 147. And I think a big thing to keep in mind here is that Michael Levenger is now in season number two, coming off of Tommy John surgery. Typically, season number one is a relatively pedestrian season. You're trying to get back to form. Season number two is when you do get back into form. You take a look at him. Prior to the injury in 2019, he was getting 12 strikeouts per nine. 272 ERA. He was rocking and rolling then. Injury happens as a 433 ERA with 1.6 home runs per nine innings last year with San Diego. Looks like he's getting back to that form. 10 and a third innings thus far this season has posted up a 348 ERA. Has yet to give up a home run. He's looking more like his normal self. And for Tyler Wells, I just don't have a lot of faith in him because for one, he's backed up by a bullpen that is just completely unrested. You've got a trio of Orioles starters last three days that have not been able to make it five innings. This is day number eight in a row for the Orioles and they're facing off against the White Sox team that got a day of and it's a needed day of rest because the White Sox bullpen dead last currently in the big leagues in terms of ERA. They're better than this. You've got Kendall Graveman. You've got Aaron Bummer, Jimmy Lambert, Ronaldo Lopez, all these guys at a sub-3-5 ERA last season. They're going to be able to write the ship. Keenan Middleton is someone I've always liked as well, but for the Orioles, this bullpen is just completely gassed at this point with the usage that they've had to put on it, and we saw regression for it for the back half of the season last year. Post-All-Star break, it was 19th in the league. In terms of bullpen ERA, you lose Ode Lopez, Felix Bautista, Silroxal, but guys like Mike Bauman, Keegan Aiken, they're not bad, but they're not necessarily too terrific with the Orioles. I do like this lineup as you've had Ryan Mountcastle just apply the boom. Six home runs as far this season. He has been incredible on that front hitting about it at 265. And the uh, new stolen base rules, I mean, it helps out with that as well. I should say the new bases in general is Ode Mateo, Cedric Mullins between the two of them. 13 stolen bases. They're two of the best of the business of being able to do so. Austin the Saves kid, he's hitting a 340. You've been able to get some good production as well out of Adam Frazier. He's been hitting more around at 270. So I like what they're doing. Adley Rushman has been on fire to begin the season, both hitting for average and power. But you do take a look at this Chicago White Sox lineup and got Luis Robert who started out with five home runs hitting a 340. Now, with the White Sox, this is not a very disciplined team, really, other than Yasmani Grandal. Guys are not willing to take their base, but got a lot of guys that are able to move the line. They're able to get on base. Oscar Colas, Tim Anderson, Andrew Vaughn, Yohan Moncada. All these guys are hitting at least a 275. Gavin Sheets is hitting a 280 as well. This is a White Sox team that has the best batting average in the American League. Sansi, Rays, and the Blue Jays who have been completely odd. I do think that Mike Clevenger is going to be able to do a better job here than Tyler Wells who, Wells he's got a 4-1-4 ERA over the last few seasons and while he doesn't walk a lot of guys that could allow him to be able to go deeper into games. Only about six half strikeouts per nine innings. He's prone to giving up some hard contact with 1.4 home runs per nine innings. So I think that this is a good spot for the Chicago White Sox coming home to be able to get a W. My write-up pick here that is going to be on the White Sox money line. And when it comes to the total, I do think that Clevenger is going to be able to return to form. I did set this total at an 8.4. So being able to get a nine, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. My write-up pick here that is going to be on the money line of the Chicago White Sox. As we go to 917-918 on the betting board, it is the LA Angels. They hit the road face off against the Boston Red Sox as Tanner Oak is going to be going for the Sox and Patrick Sandoval is on the bump for the Angels. Angels are anywhere between even money to minus 105. Meanwhile, 
today to look at Boston. It's anywhere between minus 108 and minus 115 with 7.5 being the total. The under is minus 115 and the over is minus 105. And with the Boston Red Sox, I did set them as a underdog of plus 122. I do feel like it should be the Angels that should be the favorite because Patrick Sandoval, I think, is really coming to his own. I actually got to see him up close and in person on Friday. Didn't necessarily have his sharpest stuff, but he was also going up against the Toronto Blue Jays, who have been absolutely terrific, and he found a way to wiggle out of it. The biggest thing with Patrick Sandoval early on in his career was that he was giving up more like 3.8 to 4 walks per 9 innings, and his command this year has been much more solid. He's only got four strikeouts in 11 innings thus far this season. I think that that's just a product of going up against a Blue Jays team that doesn't strike out a whole heck of a lot. Last year, I had a little bit north of nine strikeouts per nine innings. And Sandoval actually did his best work on the road last season. 254 road ERA, 331 ERA at home, giving up four home runs in 78 innings when he was on the road a season ago. Meanwhile, you've got a guy in Tanner Houck that I've always liked him as a starter. I don't understand why the... Uh, Red Sox sent him to the bullpen last season. You take a look at his just sort of janky season last year. He had a buck 82 road ERA and a 445 home ERA. I'm willing to just toss out those numbers because that was just not Tanner Houck in general. It was a bad situation to start out with, but I mean, this is a bad situation for the Red Sox getting swept by the Tampa Bay Rays, and they just couldn't get anything going in terms of the back half of that series. Their bullpen is just completely gas, and the bullpen isn't very good to start with. Ryan Brazier, Richard Blyer, Caleb Ort. I mean, you just stop me when you hear a guy that you can actually trust. And John Schreiber, there you go. He was able to give the team a sub-3 ERA last season. Chris Martin is a terrible, but Kenley Jansen. I mean, hold your breath every time he's out there. And this is an Angels lineup that has one of the best in the business. Gio Rochelle is sitting north of a 300 right now. We all know Mike Trout along with Shoei Otani are going to be able to do both of these guys. Atreo Fomers, both of these guys doing a good job north of a 400 on base. Taylor Ward sitting at 290. He's got a pair of homers on Renfro. Last year at a 250 with 20-plus home runs. He's right now hitting even better this season. And now, guys like Brandon Drury, Luis Renifo have to pick it up. But Logan O'Hoppy, four home runs as far this season. But with the Angels, he also have trepidations with their bullpen. As Jose Cuiada, Matt Moore, they're not necessarily terrible. And I will say, Pulse also break last season. The Angels were 11th in terms of bullpen ERA. But now they've got Carlos Aceves in there. That's not great. Ryan Tabera, he's a little bit long in the tooth. Hard to trust in Jimmy Hergett as well. But I do think that for the Angels, they're going to be able to do a soft job. Holding down a Red Sox team that currently has Adam Duvall, who got off to a monster start to begin the year. 15 hits in his first 33 at-bats, four home runs. He's currently on the injured list, though. You've got Rafael Devers, who's been able to give you five bombs. He's hitting about a 280. Alex Verdugo is hitting above a 300. But you take a look at guys like Kike Hernandez, Tristan Casas, Masataka, Yoshida. These guys have not necessarily been able to deliver. And for Yoshida, he's now dealing with a little bit of an injury as well. So the Red Sox are banged up with their lineup. They don't have a very good bullpen to start out with. And I really don't have a lot of faith in Tanner Houck. And I like the way that Patrick Sandoval has pitched on the road. Semi-total at 8.7, looking at the under. Made the LA Angels a favorite of minus 122. So looking at the Angels' money line, getting even money slash a plus price. And I'm going to be taking a look at this total under 919, 920 on the betting board. The Houston Astros playoffs to the Walker, Texas Rangers. As Martin Perez is going to be going for the Rangers and Luis Garcia is on the bump for Houston. Houston in between a minus 150 to a minus 155 favorite. Meanwhile, between plus 135 and plus 140, your number on Texas. 8.5 is the total. Unders any between minus 110 and minus 115. The overs between minus 105 and minus 110. If you're looking at that Astros run line, you're going to be getting it at a plus 135. Set the Astros minus 166 on the money line, but needed at least a plus 135 to take the run line and 
Good gosh almighty. We have just barely been able to get there. So going to be looking at this Astros run line. I do recognize that it's been a little bit of a rough start to the season for them. And for Luis Garcia, he's had some very interesting home and road splits because last season, he had a 285 road ERA compared to a 446 home ERA. Two seasons ago, 239 home ERA compared to a 424 ERA on the road. I do think that things are going to be a little bit more stable for him this season coming off of a rough start where he gave up four runs and four innings against the Minnesota Twins. But I do think that he's going to be able to hold it down against the Texas Rangers team that they've got a solid lineup, but now they're dealing with an injury to Corey Seager, who was hitting a 359 to begin the season. That's rough. You still have Nathaniel Lowe, who's been able to do a good job of moving the line, but you don't have necessarily that one main masher. You do have a guy like a Lowe, Adelise Garcia. Marcus Simeon, guys that are very capable of giving you 30-plus home runs. I recognize that Simeon had that big year two years ago that landed him this big contract in Texas, but I really don't see anyone in the lineup that's really able to give you north of like 30 or so home runs, so you're going to be relying upon someone like Josh Young to be able to step up, hold it down. In the meantime, Jonah Heim is someone I do like, but for the Texas Rangers, I do think that they're outgunned in the bullpen. You do have a trio of guys, Jonathan Hernandez, Brock Burke, Jose LeClerc, well provided a sub-3 ERA last season, and Cole Reagans seems to have found himself a little bit of a home in the bullpen as well, but for the Houston Astros, you figured there was going to be a little bit of regression for this bullpen after just like six different guys had career years for the team. It's Rafael Montero, Hector Neres, Ryan Stanek, Brian Abreu, Seth Martinez. All these guys had like sub-3-2 ERAs last season, and that's been hurting them quite a bit, but I do think that they're going to be getting back to that form that they showed last season when they were the best bullpen in terms of ERA in the big leagues, and it feels like Alex Bregman is starting to pick it up. Had another slow start to the season, but now it's up to having a 340 on base. Kyle Tucker, you on Alvarez, a combined 29 RBI, 7 home runs thus far this season. Both of these guys are in north of a 300. Jose Abreu, just year in and year out. This guy hits for 100 plus RBI, just four thus far this season, but so has been able to 290. You know that he's going to be able to pick it up. Jeremy Pena's gotten off to a little bit of a slow start to the year. I know that he's going to be able to pick it up as well, and I do have some trepidation with Martin Perez because he always gives out a lot of walks. He had post-all-star rake last year, right around 3.7 to 3.8 walks per nine innings after he did a good job of taming that, which is a big reason why he did become an all-star. 286 ERA on the road last season for Martin Perez, giving up six home runs in 104 innings, but with the way that he doesn't get a ton of swings and misses. Last year, he was able to get right around seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. I do feel like this is going to be going northward. He made five starts against the Astros last year, posted up a 382 ERA, gave up just one home run in 33 innings. I would be very, very surprised if he's anywhere even close to 0.3 home runs per nine innings like we saw last season against the Houston Astros. I think that Garcia is going to be able to bounce back a little bit. I think that Martin Perez is doing for some negative regression with giving up the deep ball. I'm going to be one to take the Astros on the run line in this ordeal. I do think that the Astros bullpen going to return to form against a Texas Rangers team a little bit depleted in the lineup with having Seager out. So looking at the 8.5 under semi total at 8.1, I'm looking at that Astros run line. 9.21, 9.22 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants, they are going to be in the road face off against the Detroit Tigers as Chaminea goes for the Giants and Joey Wentz is going to be on the bump for Detroit. Right now seeing only a number at DraftKings. The Giants are minus 125 plus 105 on Detroit with a total of 8. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. Did set my total at 7.8. Looking at the under, but I felt like the Giants should have been more like a minus 167 on this money line. I am certainly going to be willing to lay that because with Joey Wentz, 
I just take a look at him, and he shouldn't be pitching at the big league level at this point. He was able to get a few starts last season. He had a 3.03 ERA, but you take a look inside the numbers. He had like a 3.3 walks per nine innings. He was posting up about seven half strikeouts per nine innings. He got very fortunate on balls in play, and all of his runs came at home. He had a 4.87 home ERA and didn't give up a single run on the road. So that was very interesting. Meanwhile, you've got John Manet, who was all sorts of terrible with the San Diego Padres last season. He had a 4.96 ERA two years ago with the Oakland A's. He was much better. It still was a 3.91 ERA, but still, he was giving up more like 1.25 home runs per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine rate, that was more in the neighborhood of 10. I think that he's going to be able to round back into form, and the San Francisco Giants just has a way of being able to repair starting pitchers. We saw what they were able to do with Kevin Gosman a few seasons ago. Anthony DiScalfani has gone off to a nice start to the season as well, and he's backed up by an okay bullpen. Not great, not terrible. You've got Roger squared and Taylor and Tyler Rogers that they can be a little bit volatile, but you've got Camille Udavall, Scott Alexander last season. Both of these guys had a sub-3 ERA, and for the Detroit Tigers last season, this bullpen was very good when they had Michael Fulmer, when they had guys like a Joe Menez. You're able to go down the line. Now you've got Jose Cicerno, who had a sub-2 ERA last season, but Jason Foley, Alex Lang, Mason Englert, this is not what you had a season ago, and for the Detroit Tigers, you just don't have a lot of firepower at all with the team. Plus, they have to travel back from Canada after a night game to play this game as well, so that's a lot of moving and shaking. Riley Green has been able to move the line for this team. Entered in yesterday and get 256, but Jason Rogers being your top home run hitter right now, that's not necessarily so great, as he's got a pair of home runs Gary Carpenter, Spencer Torkelson, Javi Baez, Jonathan Scope, Rogers, who I mentioned, Zach McKinstry, all these guys are in a 222 or lower. As a matter of fact, of guys that got it at bat yesterday, only Riley Green and Gil Badu are hitting above a 230 for this team. So that's not great. Meanwhile, for the San Francisco Giants, you're not going to have one guy that goes out and has like 30 plus home runs this year, but I could see them having like five, six guys that give you 20 plus. As right now, you've got Michael Conforto, Mikey Stremski, David VR, JD Davis, Brandon Crawford, Wilmer Flores, all with between two and three home runs a piece as Gabe Kapler has done a great job with the split. Serio Estrada is the main guy to move the line along with Flores. Both of these guys hit above a three-arm pass and got a lot of guys hitting in that neighbor of like a 240, 250. Jock Peterson able to supply a little bit of power as well, but I do think that Sean Manea is going to be rebuilt a little bit more in San Francisco, and I think that they're going to take it to a Detroit team that depleted their bullpen a little bit, and a Detroit lineup that has won the worst in the big leagues. I just don't think that Detroit does their end of the bargain with this total. Some might tell at 7.8, even with the ballpark dimensions, a little bit changed into Detroit willing to go under and with the Giants. But like they should have been closer to minus 165 on the money line, so could be riding with that money line as well. 923, 924 on the betting board. It is the Cleveland Guardians on the road facing off against the Washington Nationals. Trevor Williams is going to be going for the Nats and Gal Quantrills on the bump for Cleveland. And Cleveland is a favorite of between minus 134 and minus 140. Anywhere between plus 120 and plus 131. Your number on Washington is the total. The under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. Seeing straight 8.5. Over is minus 120. Under is even. So by total in 8.5. Looking at the under in this spot, Washington Nationals, they played quite a few unders in that series against the LA Angels, and I just flat out don't think that they're going to hold up their end of the bargain because you take a look at this Nationals lineup and who's going to be able to provide any power. They've got five home runs in 13 games, and Jabir Candelario is right now their top home run hitter. Now, the Nationals actually do an okay job of hitting for average. They're hitting a 253 as collective, and last season, despite everything that happened, they were able to hit for a relatively solid average. Victor Robles has right now 444 on base. Lane Thomas is hitting a 300. Keeper Ruiz has been able to move the line a little bit with Michael Chavis, but they've got no power bats whatsoever, so they're stranded a billion people on base, and Cal Quantrill is your classic Ben-but-don't-break pitcher. The Cleveland Guardians are 7 
17 and 3 in his last 20 starts overall in the regular season. Now, Quantrill has not been sharp to begin this season as last year. He struggled a little bit out of the gates as well. Eight runs, seven of which were earned in his first two starts, but does a good job not allowing a lot of walks for his career, right around 2.6, 2.7 walks per nine innings. Not really going to give you north of like seven strikeouts per nine innings, but with Trevor Williams, he has sort of floated between being a starter and a long reliever in recent years. Now he's getting a chance to start once again, but for Trevor Williams, when he was away from New York last season, as he pitched for the Mets, he had a 4.08 ERA, and he was given up right in the neighborhood about 1.6 home runs per nine innings. That's an issue. Now, the good news for him is that the Cleveland Guardians, they had the second fewest home runs in the big leagues last season. The bad news is they do a good job of being able to get on base. Andres Amena, Stephen Kwan, Amid Rosario, Jose Ramirez, Oscar Gonzalez, Will Brandon, all these guys. And at least a 270 line season, you do have Josh Naylor, who is not hitting for average right now, but he's been able to give you some power. Josh Bell has been a big bust. He's hitting like a buck ten right now, but these guys are continuing to be able to move the line, and for the Guardians, this is still one of the top opens in terms of VRA in the big leagues. You've had a little bit of a rough COVID thus far this season for James Karinczak, but he's going to be able to pick it up, and then you've got Aniel De Los Santos, Nick Sandlin, Emmanuel Classe, Trevor Steven, Eli Morgan, all guys that had a sub-3-3 ERA last season, and for the Washington Nationals, post-all-star break, this team was 7th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. Carl Edwards Jr., Mason or Thompson, Erasmo Ramirez, Hunter Harvey, all these guys at a sub-3-3 ERA. So I do think that we are going to see the pitchers do a solid job with a pair of lineups that they just don't go yard on you, a pair of guys that they're not going to give out a whole bunch of walks. So I do think that there's value on this under. Semi-total at 8.4, going to be diving under and with the Guardians. They do nothing but win when Cal Quantrill's on the mound. Set them at a minus 156 on the money line. If you're looking at that run line, you're finding it more around a plus 120 to a plus 125. I want to play it safe here and just take the money line. The Guardians, they just don't have a lot of pop with regards to home run power, so just going to take a look at the money line with the Guardians and the total under 925-926 on the betting board. The Kansas City Royals, they play OC and line of Braves. And Charlie Morton is going to be going for the Braves, and Brady Singer is going to try to have the Braves singing the blues. As for the Royals, they're anywhere between plus 125 to plus 132 underdogs, and between minus 140 to minus 145 is your number on the Bravos 8.5 is the total. Overs between minus 110 and minus 120. The understanding between even a minus 110. If you're looking at the run line of the Braves, you're going to be finding that more around about a minus 120 or so. And with the Atlanta Braves, I was willing to lay up to a minus 140 with them. I'm seeing a straight minus 138. That would pretty much be my max buy point on the Atlanta Braves right now. I do need at least a plus 138 to dive in on the Kansas City Royals. So if we continue to see this number go downward like we are seeing on the Braves as they actually open up at a minus 150, could be one to dive in on them on the money line with Charlie Morton. He has not been good on the road. He did have north of a 5 ERA on the road last season. And the walks are starting to be an issue. Five walks in 10 and a third innings thus far this season. Last year, he did give up right around 3.2, 3.3 walks per nine innings, but he still has good swing and miss stuff. Dating back to last season, a little bit over 10 punch-outs per nine innings, and I do like the way that Brady Singer has been able to perform. As a matter of fact, for the Kansas City Royals, they have been magnificent when he has been on the mound. 14-4 and four in his last 18 starts since the end of the 2021 season, and a big reason why is because he has been able to go deeper into games. He's only giving up about 2.3 to 2.4 walks per nine innings in this stretch, and that's big because the Kansas City Royals They've got one of the more deplorable bullpens in the big leagues. They did pick up Aroldis Chapman. That helps them out. Scott Barlow has been solid. And Taylor Clark as a bullpen piece 
Hasn't been awful, but they're dealing with not having Josh Shamout right now. It was not good last year. Amir Garrett hasn't been trustworthy in a very long time, if ever, and Ryan Yarbrough just has not been the answer for this bullpen. Meanwhile, the Atlanta Braves, they were a top-five bullpen in terms of ERA this last season in 2022, and now they no longer have Kenley Chance. If that makes things even better, you've got a lot of older guys like Lucas Lutke, Nick Anderson, Jesse Chavez and company, but they're able to hold down the fort for the team. They've kicked the tires on Kirby Yates. Took him a little bit of time, but seems like he's starting to get back into his groove as well. And for the Atlanta Braves, you just have a magnificent lineup that I think is really going to be able to start to really put a hurting on balls. Ronald Acuna Jr. looking much like the Ronald Acuna Jr. prior to the ACL injury. He's hitting a 370 thus far this season. Austin Riley, he's been able to give the team a pair of bombs. 450 on base. You've had Matt Olson just tearing the cover off the ball. Four home runs. 410 on base. Now it's a little bit of a top heavy lineup. You do need Marcel Zuna better than a 0.83. The catcher spot has been good with Travis Starno out there, but you're dealing with an injury to Michael Harris as well. But by and large, I do think that the Atlanta Braves just completely have this Kansas City Royals team outgunned as for the Royals. They're inning as a collective 204 right now. Vinny Pascantino has been terrific, getting a 293, and Salvador Perez had that 48 home run season two seasons ago, in which he had a 275. But I mean, other than Pascantino and Ed Olivares, you really don't have anyone that has north of 18 bat bats right now. Hitting above a 229. MJ Melendez, Nick Prado, Hunter Dozier, Jackie Bradley Jr., Nate Eaton. They're all hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. And Eaton is 1 for 19 to begin the season. So I just don't think that the Royals are going to be able to rack back up Brady Singer with any sort of production whatsoever. That's a big reason why I set my total at an 8. Getting an 8.5 juicy over, I'm going to be willing to take the under in this spot and add a minus 138 or less one to dive in on the Braves if this gets to a point where we get north of a plus 138. I'd be willing to dive in on the Royals, but at current numbers, the minus 138 I'm seeing, want to lay that with the Bravos and the Thunder, 927-928 on the main board. The New York Mets at the road face off against the Oakland A's. James Caprillion is going to be going for the A's, and Kodai Senga is going to be on the bump for the Metropolitans and the Mets. They're anywhere between minus 180 to minus 195. Favorites anywhere between plus 155 to plus 175. Your number on Oakland, it is a total over and under, both at minus 110. When it comes to the A's, set them at a plus 164. Getting a plus 175, I'm going to be in on this now, Kodai Senga was very good in the Nippon Baseball League last season as he comes over after he had right around a two ERA in that league. And when you get 10 strikeouts for per nine innings in the Nippon Baseball League where guys really don't strike out in Japan, you're doing something right. But he did have six walks in his first 11 and a third innings and both of his wins, they came against Miami Marlins. So the Oakland A's might be an even worse lineup than that. But even for the Oakland A's, you give them credit. They've scored 20 runs in their last three games. Prior to that, they had scored zero in two out of their previous three games, but that said, with the Oakland A's, you do have a few guys that are starting to give you a bit of something. Brent Rooker, who wasn't getting at bats towards the beginning part of the season, he's now got three home runs for this team. He's been able to hit a 333. Ramon Laureano has been able to give you a pair of bombs. He's starting to move the line a little bit. You've been able to get some very good production out of Asturi Rios, who's been able to supply about a 383 on base. Now, I do think that they're going to be held down relative to expectations here, but I do think that James Caprillion is going to be able to do an okay job as well. Rough start to the season for him, giving up 12 runs in nine and two-thirds innings, but we saw that from him last season as well. His first start or two was just absolutely deplorable, and then from there, he was able to lock down, and he was able to do a little bit better for his career. He's only giving you about six and a half strikeouts per nine innings, something that he certainly does need to improve upon, and last season, he actually pitched better on the road than he did at home. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of reversal 
on that front end. I do think that for Caprillion, the big thing for him, just being able to eat a few innings and then get into a bullpen that is not half bad. Sam Maul, along with Zach Jackson, Danny Jimenez, Domingo Acevedo, when he's out there, I believe that he's going to be out for this game. All these guys have sub-350 ERA. Meanwhile, for the New York Mets, you've got David Robertson. You've been able to get some good innings out of John Curtis thus far. Danny Reyes is someone that I like in this bullpen. So I do think that both of these pens are going to be able to hold up their end of the bargain. And for the New York Mets, it's been a little bit of a rough go of it for their offense thus far this season. They're hitting a 218. You know that they're not going to hit that for forever. But Francisco Lindor has been very hot and cold in recent years as he, Eduardo Escobar, Mark Canna, Luis Galorme, Tomas Nito, all these guys earning a 220 or lower. Tommy Pham has been solid. He's hitting a 275. And Pete Alonso, he's got six out of the team's 12 home runs. For the Mets, it's been a very top-heavy lineup. For the Oakland A's, should they be a favorite in the spot? Heck no, but I think that Caprillion is able to do just enough against a struggling Mets lineup. They get into a bullpen that's halfway decent and present value here. Anything north of a plus 165, set the money line at a plus 164. So being able to get north of that, going to be taking the money line, set my total at 7.7. So look at A's and look at under, and we wrap things up with 929, 930 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies at the red face off against the Seattle Mariners. Monaco Gonzalez is going to be going for Seattle, and Austin Gomber is on the bump for Colorado. And Colorado is an underdog between plus 140 and plus 160. Anywhere between minus 165 and minus 180. Your number on Seattle, 8 to 8.5 is the total on the 8 overs minus 120. The under is even on the 8.5 unders minus 120 and the over is even. Did somebody tell it at 8.3? Would rather have an 8 over rather than an 8.5 under as of right now just because Marco Gonzalez has a big giant tendency to light games on fire. He's been very lucky in terms of balls in play as he's getting just barely over five strikeouts per nine innings the last few seasons. You take a look at Marco Gonzalez and he had 15 losses last year, which is not the way to gauge a pitcher in my opinion, but one and a half home runs per nine innings. Gives up about two and a half blocks per nine innings, despite the fact that he doesn't necessarily do a great job of being able to get those swings and misses as well. He does play a little bit better to the ballpark because Seattle, during the nighttime in games like this, it's a little bit more pitcher-friendly. And for Austin Gomber, it certainly has not gone its way recently. As two seasons ago, he was actually halfway decent. In that 2021 campaign, about a 4.53 ERA, they give up right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings and really struggled on the road. Last season, things just went completely kaput for him as he had a 5.56 ERA. He was giving up once again about 1.6 home runs per nine innings. Not much of a swing and miss guy, but for the Colorado Rockies, they did make some upgrades in the bullpen. Pierce Johnson completely lit a game on fire against the St. Louis Cardinals in that series. A little bit ago, you have Daniel Bart currently on the injured list, but I do like Brad Ann. You have bringing Brent Suters, Ben Roxall with the Brewers in recent seasons. Connor Siebold, I think, could be solved for the team. And for the Seattle Mariners, they are dealing with an injury to Andres Munoz right now. Diego Casillo's not been trustworthy with his bullpen. I like Paul Sewell, Ben Murphy. Both of these guys are terrific. Matt Brash is able to present some good value to this bullpen as well. And for the Seattle Mariners, you do have guys that are currently moving the line at the top, but not necessarily so much at the bottom. Jared Kelnick at that, like, 480-foot tank shot a couple days ago. He has been tremendous. He's hitting a 351. Die France and Eugenio Suarez, they're both hitting above 3 iron, but for Suarez, I do fear that that is going to be falling off quite a bit, the average, and he's got just one home run this far this season, Julio Rodriguez. He's got a pair of bombs. He's hitting a 255, but guys like J.P. Crawford, Teoscar Hernandez, I think that they're going to be able to pick it up, but they're off to rough starts to begin the season, and for the Colorado Rockies, when you go from elevation down to sea level, it is always relatively tough. You've got a lot of guys that are hitting well right now. They're hitting a 271 as a collective, but 
what you want to be noting with them is that last year, in games away from home, they scored fewer than three runs per game. No other team in the big leagues scored fewer than 3.4 runs per game, but thus far this season, they're hitting at 239 in terms of their average away from home. Six home runs in six games away from home, including C.J. Crone being able to give you three bombs, hitting about a 300 away from home. Charlie Blackman has hit a 333 away from home. Chris Bryant being in the fold, that helps this team out as well, so makes this game a little bit more intriguing. If I can get more like a plus 165, I'd be willing to fire in on the Colorado Rockies, but as it stands right now, I'm seeing the run line of Seattle in between about a plus 125 to a plus 130. Need at least a plus 122 to fire in there. We just aren't in range where I can consider the Colorado Rockies on the money line, and with this Rockies team having the worst bullpen area in the big leagues last season, I would rather take an 8 over rather than an 8.5 under, despite their traditional road struggles, and I do think that this is going to be a game where the Seattle Mariners bats are going to be able to wake up against a guy in Gomber at north of a 5.5 ERA last season. So looking at the run line of the Mariners and the over end. That'll wrap things up for the Friday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. A big thanks to Andrew Kaylee over at Covers for joining me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GNN underscore D1. Keep in mind the letters ZM. Maybe it does not matter. As per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way, that's fine. An Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. I have that five-star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'll be coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.